0: To imagine that they- Welcome. You are listening to the Audio Information Network of Colorado. This recording is intended to be used solely by individuals with barriers to print. Thank you for joining us for Hobby Radio. My name is Keith, amateur radio operator W0NX. The following articles are from the July 2022 The Spectrum Monitor And we'll begin by finishing the remainder of Amateur Radio Insights by Kirk Kleinschmidt, NT-Zero-Z. Inspiring old timers. W0OK, Gary says, who could verbally describe scientific concepts while simultaneously conversing with another ham via high-speed morse, was once goaded into getting on 75-meter AM phone. He built a modulator for his CW transmitter and was a phone-op for only a single day. He didn't like any of the phone-ops he worked that day, so he immediately dismantled the modulator, used the parts for something else, and went back to CW. Gary was an SWL before he met his father-in-law-to-be, but after he got his ticket, the two frequently got into trouble at holiday get-togethers because they disappear into one shack or another to talk ham radio for hours. Fred, who got his Ph.D. from Harvard in 1931, like Bob a decade later, expertly built complex electronic devices with milk cartons and tin cans because he could, because they worked well, and because they met a variety of needs from amateur radio to recycling. Bravo, Fred! Modern makers ain't got nothing on you, old man. Each of these fellows have inspired me to build stuff and to do stuff. Not using milk cartons and tin cans necessarily, but you never know. How about you? My Kier is lactose intolerant, so I'd have to use an almond milk carton. It should work. In that vein, I have more material on these topics, but it will have to wait. And now, The World of Shortwave Listening, by Walter Aguiar. 100 Years of Brazil Broadcasting, Other South American Radio News. On September 7, 2022, Brazil will commemorate the 200th anniversary of its Declaration of Independence from Portugal. But we will not go that far. Let us return just 100 years ago, an historic date for radio in Brazil. To celebrate the 100th anniversary of the Brazilian independence, an international exhibition was held in Rio de Janeiro, then the capital city in Brazil. It was opened on the very day of the independence anniversary, September 7, 1922. On that date, the U.S. companies Westinghouse and Western Electric installed radio transmitters for a wireless demonstration. Western Electric installed its transmitter antenna on a beach called Prio Vermelha, the Red Beach, while Westinghouse went all the way up to the Corcovado Mountain with its wireless equipment. The Christ Redeemer statue on Corcovado would only be inaugurated nine years later. A speech by the Brazilian president Epitácio Pessoa opened the broadcast, followed by classical music. Some 80 receivers spread through the city were tuned in, and the sound was rebroadcast by loudspeakers. In September 1923, the first regular radio broadcaster in Brazil was inaugurated by Professor Roquette Pinto and Henrique Moritz. It was Radio Sociedad do Rio de Janeiro. In 1936, Radio Sociedad would become a public station and is still on the air today under the name Radio MEC and administered by the Brazilian Federal Public Broadcasting Service, EBC. The experimental demonstration during the Independence Centenary Exhibition, with the participation of the country's president at the time, became known as the birth of radio in Brazil. And thus, Brazilians are now celebrating 100 years of history of radio in the country. The historic importance of that demonstration is unquestionable, but we should highlight that it was not the first use of radio waves in Brazil. In fact, back in the 1890s, yes, that far, the Catholic priest Roberto Landol de Moura already experimented with the transmission and reception of radio waves. With an equipment built by himself, Father Landell sent a radio signal through an approximate distance of 8 kilometers in the city of Sao Paulo. The exact year of that experiment is not known, but some historians believe it could have happened in 1893 or 1894, which would put Landol de Moura as one of the earliest wireless pioneers in the world. The equipment built by Landol de Moura, for which he would get two U.S. patents in 1904, could transmit voice through radio waves, not just electric signals or telegraphy. This achievement, so early in radio history, shows the inventiveness of the Brazilian radio pioneer. And that was not the only wireless experiment performed in Brazil before the 1922 exhibition. Others would follow in the beginning of the 20th century, as recent research has found out. Research conducted by Luiz Arthur Ferroretto, journalist and professor of radio at the Federal University of Rio Grande do Sul, established that the German ship SMS von der Tann performed a radio telegraphy demonstration in Brazil in 1911 with the presence of the then-Brazilian president Hermes da Fonseca using the system developed by the German manufacturer Telefunken. The Marconi Company also performed similar experiments in Rio de Janeiro. In April 1920, Professor Ferroretto believes that the demonstrations by the U.S. companies during the independence centenary commemorations in 1922 received more attention for political interests press reports from 1921 found by Ferretto's research team inform that Rio de Janeiro already had telegraphy stations in full operation at that time by both the local railway company and by the Brazilian navy and as for broadcasting There is also another station disputing with Radio Sociedade do Rio de Janeiro, the primacy of having been the first radio broadcaster in Brazil. Radio Clube de Pernambuco was established in Recife, northeastern Brazil, in 1919, but as an amateur society to promote the use of the wireless for telegraphy and voice transmission. In the 1920s, Radio Club was reorganized and started broadcasting in 1923, approximately at the same time of Radio Sociedad. Radio Club is still on the air, and today is one of the major radio broadcasters in Paranambuco. And its amateur activities in 1919 show very clearly. According to Professor Ferroretto, That Recife was the place where the so-called radio culture flourished in Brazil for the first time. Controversies apart, Brazilian radio is commemorating its 100 years well alive with a long history of pioneering and development. Radio Aparicida leaves the shortwave band. As we had feared for a year, since our July 2021 column, Radio Aparecida left the shortwave bands. The last one of its shortwave frequencies, 6,135 kHz, was put off air. The Catholic station was inaugurated in 1951 and could be heard in most of Brazil and many countries abroad on shortwave. It even inspired Brazilian manufacturers to produce receivers showing its various positions on the dial. Now it can be heard on FM by local listeners and worldwide on the Internet, no longer on shortwave. And on the top of it, February 26th, 2022, saw the last edition of On DX, the traditional DX show broadcast on Saturdays by Radio Paracida for 35 years, for sure one of the longest-running DX programs worldwide. Encontro DX was broadcast for the first time in 1986, produced by the Brazilian DXer Raimundo Leonardo Bezerra, then responsible for the printed DX bulletin Globo DX. At that time, Globo DX was one of the most important DX publications in Brazil, next to Ata DX, published by DX Clube Paulista, later DX Clube do Brasil. A national DX meeting was held in Aparecida in 1988, two years after the introduction of the program. Bezera was later succeeded by Cassiano Macedo, and Jose Mora, with Macedo running the show for 31 years until the very end last February. And the Encontro DX hosts also served as QSL managers for Radio Aparecida through the years. Over all these years, on Contro DX counted on contributions from DX clubs and individual DXers from all over Brazil. Numerous historical Brazilian radio personalities and professionals from various international broadcasters were interviewed by the program. These included professionals from Radio Netherlands, KBS World Radio, RDP Radio Portugal, China Radio International, Radio Moscow, EWTN, Radio Tirana, Voice of America, and the BBC Brazilian Service. The show witnessed the technological changes, and while so many international broadcasters left shortwave with their DX programs, Encontro DX remained as a meeting point, as its own name in Portuguese suggests for Brazilian DXers and traditional radio listeners alike, every Saturday at 7 p.m. local time. According to Makedo, 1,612 editions of the program were broadcast by Radio Aparacita on shortwave, wave, FM, via Internet, and on many of Radio Aparacita's affiliate stations throughout Brazil and various editions were recorded on cassette tape and rebroadcast by RDP Radio Portugal, 2003, and WRMI, 1998-2002. When closing such a long period of his life, Cassiano Macedo only had words of thanks, thanks to Radio Aparecida's directors, to the contributors, interviewees, and to the listeners. But in fact, the Brazilian DX and radio in general community is the one owing thanks to the work of Macedo and the former presenters for reliably keeping Encontro DX on the air for so many years. The last Encontro DX program can be heard on Radio Aparacida's YouTube channel. A few old recordings of the show presented by Makedo, Moura, and Bezerra are available at DX Club do Brazil's website at ondascurtas.com that's O N D A S C U R T A dot com and on various YouTube channels. Escucha Chile on March 17th Movie theaters in Chile saw the premiere for the general public of the documentary film Mosca, telling the story of shortwave broadcasts from Moscow to Chile, back in the Pinochet area in the South American country. On September 11, 1973, Chile suffered a coup d'etat by the military forces. General Augusto Pinochet took the power from the elected socialist president Salvador Allende and led the country until 1990. It was a time of great repression, forcing many opponents to the new regime to leave the country. At the time of the coup, the Chilean radio stations were divided into supporting the elected president or the military forces. And the Chilean Communist Party had a radio station of its own supporting Salvador Allende. It was called Radio Magallanes. The military forces put down the opposition stations one by one until Radio Magallanes remained the last one to still be on the air. It broadcast the last speech by President Allende minutes before the government's Palacio de la Moneda in Santiago was hit by the military. Allende was dead, Pinochet was on power, and Radio Magallanes was silenced for good, or not exactly. Shortly after the coup d'etat and the closure of the Chilean station, Radio Moscow's Spanish service started two daily shortwave broadcasts, specifically intended to Chile. One of them was called Escucha Chile, Chile Listens in Spanish, and the other one had the name of the then-silenced Chilean station, Radio Magallanes. These broadcasts were produced and presented by Chilean staff who had fled the country after the military coup, and they remained on the air until 1990 when Pinochet left power, shortly before the fall of the Soviet Union itself. In Chile, the shortwave broadcasts from Moscow could only be heard, of course, in secret. Mosca, for Moscow, also meaning fly, the insect in Spanish, was the clue used by the opponents to Pinochet's regime to designate those broadcasts. This is the reason of the name of the movie now telling those important memories for the history of Chile and of international broadcasting. The movie was written and produced by Christian Aylwin and Martin Nunez. Two old opponents to the military government meet and exchange memories. One of them is Marcel Garces, who served as a clandestine correspondent in Chile for the Soviet broadcasts, who provided local news for the programs and risking his life to do so as we can imagine. The other activist is Dante Melgarejo, who received and recorded the shortwave broadcasts from Moscow to Chile during his exile in Europe. Over the years, he kept quite a collection of those recordings on tapes, which were finally donated to the Library of Congress in Chile and are now digitalized. Mosca was presented during the Antofagasta and Valdivia International Film Festivals in 2020, both in Chile. In the 2021 edition of the Vina del Mar Film Festival, also in Chile, the movie received a special mention from the judges. It has now reached the Chilean movie theater screens for the general public, and we await the news as to when it will be available for the international audience. The official trailer for Moscow can be viewed on Vimeo. The movie's website includes a number of old recordings from Escucha Chile broadcasts from Radio Moscow. 30 years, the end of Radio Suriname International. While Radio Moscow transmitted specific programs to Chile the military government in Santiago had established an international shortwave service back in the 1970s. La Voz de Chile transmitted in seven languages using the powerful shortwave transmitters of Radio Nacional. Another country in South America which started an international shortwave service after a coup d'etat was Suriname. Radio Suriname International started broadcasting in 1984 using a powerful 250-kilowatt shortwave transmitter rented from Radio Bras now EBC in Brasilia. RSI's 10-minute newscast in Dutch language, broadcast on weekdays only, was targeted at Europe and specifically intended for the Surinamese audience in the Netherlands. It was an attempt to fight against the news coverage of Suriname's events by the Dutch media, judged as prejudicial by the authorities in charge of Para Maribo. The use of Radio Bras's antennas made it a good catch on short wave, and the station had a QSL card of its own. But Radio Suriname International ceased broadcasting exactly 30 years ago in 1992. More stations, less shortwave. According to the local newspaper El Peruano, the Peruvian government granted 339 licenses for new radio stations in 2021, the large majority of them in rural areas. Virgilio Tito Chura, the Peruvian Vice Minister for Communications, declared to El Peruano. That radio is still strong, continues to adapt in the pandemics, and has a vital role for the social development in places like Peru. But surely most of the new stations go to the FM band. Today, according to the ministry, there are 5,461 FM stations licensed in Peru, almost 90% of total of granted licenses in the country. Licensed stations also include 47 Tropical Band and 19 International shortwave broadcasters, but we well know that only a handful of these are actually on the air nowadays. It seems that, even in the middle of the Andes, shortwave is less and less used for broadcasting signals through the mountains. But one of those few Peruvian voices still heard on shortwave is that of Radio Quilabamba. Broadcasting since 1966 from that 30,000-inhabitant town in the department of Cusco, Radio Quilabamba was founded by Catholic missionaries. Its tropical band frequency, 5,025 kilohertz, allows Radio Quilabamba to be heard in most of the Peruvian Amazon region. In neighboring countries, and lastly, by DXers in other continents. And the station has used the properties offered by the Tropical Band to reach small farmers and the native peoples of Peru, broadcasting in Spanish, Quechua, and other indigenous languages. For this reason, Radio Quilabamba adopted the slogan, The Voice of Those Who Do Not Have a Voice. Between 1985 and 1989, Radio Quilabamba's transmitter site was attacked four times. Some of these attacks nearly destroyed its short-wave and medium-wave transmitters, taking the station off the air. New equipment had to be purchased and security measures had to be taken. Its broadcasts include news, sports, and traditional music. Besides educational and religious programs, Radio Quilabamba is a member of ALER, the Latin American Radio Education Association. Today, besides the tropical band, Radio Quilabamba may be heard locally on FM and Medium Wave, and worldwide on the Internet. Night at the Museum The Friday nights of May in Guatemala were marked by an online event called the Virtual Museum Night. In total, 25 Guatemalan museums participated. Each Friday, a video was streamed on YouTube showing a few of those institutions. These included the Postal Museum, the Holocaust Museum, the Colonial Art Museum, the National Museum of History, regional institutions outside the capital city of Guatemala, and the Museum of the National Radio and TV General Directorate and TGW Radio in Guatemala City. TGW Radio, formerly known as Radio Nacional de Guatemala, is the national radio broadcaster, officially founded in 1930. Old-time listeners may remember that it used to broadcast on shortwave decades ago under the name La Voz de Guatemala. We'll finish the short remainder of this article next time. Thank you for joining us for Hobby Radio. My name is Keith. If you enjoyed this program, please register for our free services at www.aincolorado.org or by calling 303-786-7777.